You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 44, as Andy and I probably do the biggest podcast in the past two years as the biggest regime change that, since we've been doing this podcast, has occurred, and James Dolan fired President John Davidson and General Manager Jeff Gordon. Andy, I have to ask you, how are you doing? Speechless. I'm absolutely speechless. This last two weeks have been. Uh, thinking back at my Rangers fandom, I don't know if I. There's been a more tumultuous and wild two week span, and I don't know since I, I can remember. Right? I mean, it, not since we've it, been doing from the podcast. everything. No, definitely not. And I mean, everything has just kind of been. And I think that's the thing with this fan or with this team is that as long as uh, the Lung during the Lundqvist era. Things were are drawn out and kind of slow, and there's always been as long as you have him, you can win. And even though it's like, and you think, you think this organization is on the right path, but clearly Dolan felt otherwise, or has sensed some things that he didn't warrant to his liking, which I know we're gonna get into. But 
man, it's just I if you, I never in a million years that I think Quinn would outlast Dolan and JD, right? So I'm excuse me, not Dolan, uh, you know Gordon and JD. So although he might not be long for this world, that's something else we'll talk about. It's just so crazy. Uh, I don't even honestly with this, I don't even really know where to begin. But all I can say is I'm still kind of shocked about it, and I've, as spending the last few days trying to process my feelings on this and. It's still a lot of a mixed bag, you know, it's uh, not all definitely not all good, but still also not all bad. And yeah, I think I'm just still kind of like, <laughs> like I said, I'm kind of still in kind of shock. Yeah, no. And, you know, I guess the place to begin would be kind of with the reaction of because um, we I mean, we can still get into the Rangers Capitals game, which was an absolute, you know, uh, dumpster fire. But, you know, I, I don't know if this is truly related you know, you hear, you hear, you know, both reports being, uh, uh, talked about, about, you know, it was related. It wasn't related. This was a long time coming. Um, you know, this is, uh, this game was, you know, the example that Dolan needed to show that he didn't like how this team was being run. So I, I just feel like maybe we start with that game and kind of quickly yeah. talk about, you know, the New York Rangers response and then, I guess, get into the actual firing and what we think happened, because I don't know if the truth is actually out there. I think you have bits and pieces of it. And, you know, the what the entire story still hasn't yet to be told. And, you know, that's going to take time and that's going to take, you know, maybe years before someone is comfortable to talk about, you know, what just happened in the last you know, week with the New York Rangers organization. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as that game goes, and like you mentioned, an absolute, a bit of a dumpster fire uh, right off the opening face off in response to the league levies a 250K fine to their towards the Rangers for their statement. Uh, and, you know, again, I mean, it's been covered to death. It's just, Everyone, I think, I don't, I don't really know anyone who's on the side. You, you hear, I, you've heard like some beat reporters say like, oh, it like the statement helped garner some support for Paros, and I, I think that's just someone on record, either on or off the record, trying to save face because I think it's the same reason. Even if general managers might feel that way, you know, we heard reports of uh, Davidson and, and Gorton, you know, saying they didn't know about the statement and they tried to distance themselves from it. And that's to save face with their buddies. So, I mean, you know, another, the old, you know, the same old guard that has the reason why we're in the situation we're in with, you know, it's just like, they don't know what they want. It's like they, at least from the players union to the league, it's like they want to make the game safer and they say they want to protect the players, but then they would much rather have this and saying it doesn't have a place in today's game, but at the same time, you know, it gets marketed for the rivalry game you know, what the response is going to be. So it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just kind of everyone's stuck in a prison of their own making. Uh, you know, you have to give kudos to the Rangers because, you know, like I said, they've been hearing that they, that they're a, a, a younger, softer team that can't protect themselves. And if they had someone else, this wouldn't happen, but they're not because they're, you know, whatever, a bunch of weenies. <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously editorializing a little bit, but that was kind of the sentiment. There's like, oh, they're not built this way and they're not built that way. And Listen, I do give credit to those. Listen, first of all, uh, who would have thought if you if you ask me who is the the 
the hero of this ranger season it might be brendan smith i mean the, if you think about who took on the bet who is the who is the the rangers leader this year was it truba i don't know they said all that stuff about you know him stepping up in the locker room that one time but i haven't really seen it on the ice or taking k andre under his wing so that's good it's not zabanajad who couldn't find his game and you know in the still even though he was hot for a little bit turned back into a a shrinking violet when the rest of the star, you know, the upper top six talent in this team was out for the rest of the season. Obviously, it's not Panarin. I mean, you know, as great as he's been, even though he missed time, it's just he hasn't really been here. And same thing, he's kind of struggled too. I think, you know, Brendan Smith is the only guy I really have really seen in terms of just at least stepping up beyond his ability level. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to you look at leaders. He, he fights Tom Wilson and who else was gonna. And like you said, it's like, is he the best candidate to do that? Probably not, but he was really the only one, the only option they kind of had. I mean, Blackwell, D Giuseppe, these guys are all, they're also kind of smallish guys and not that Smith is a hulking giant either, but he, uh, you know, give him props. He took it upon himself. Ryan Strom wasn't going to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, man, he's the only guy who I really think kind of like, try to step out and be a leader for this team, at least outward on the ice. You know what I mean? We don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but apparently, you know, Dolan wasn't happy with how that was going either. So it's just a, it's a wild situation. And I think if, when I look at it like that, it almost kind of gives credence to what maybe his, uh, James Dolan's, you know, issues were because, you know, it's great that he does that, but yeah, I, Really, this it's kind of felt like a bit of a rudderless ship this season. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, listen, there's so much that I, I, you even want to talk about. But at first, I want to give yeah. you know props definitely to the New York. Sorry, Rangers. I know. They, no, they. I mean, yeah. they they stepped up. I mean, they did. I mean, I mean, they made it a gong show, but they kind of had to. They kind of had to. They had to show, be, yeah to show the NHL that if they, you're not going to take care of you know your star players these are going to be the responses that you get and you know you know the the people that run the nhl and the department of player safety you could say that they were laughing but they were not like they're cringing they don't want you know over 100 penalty minutes in the first period in response to um you know an incident that you know the the nhl failed to properly um respond to and you know it could have been as simple as just a one game suspension to wilson um, the $5,000 fine is a joke. I know even our buddy Gibby was talking about the, you know, that is the max fine. And the, the problem is like, yeah, whatever the max fine is, I think that it was like 10% of your game salary based off how many incidences you have. Listen, at the end of the day though, the fines are a joke. Forget the fines. Just give them the game suspension, take them out of the game against the New York Rangers and then be done with it. Like that's all they had to do and they just failed to do it. So the response was exactly what the Rangers had to do. I thought they stepped up to the challenge. I thought Brendan Smith held himself perfectly fine against Tom Wilson. Uh, they, it looks like they took Tom Wilson out of that game. I don't know if that was because they were, you know, maybe nervous that, you, you know, he would get attacked again, you know, by another player. Um, but, you know, kudos to all the Rangers that stepped up. I know it was not an easy thing to do, especially given the makeup of our hockey team. So, you know, looking back at that game, I I, I was proud of the boys. And, 
you know, there's nothing more that they could have done uh, without being total scumbags. And, you know, you know, a part of you wants to go after maybe Backstrom's knees, but, you know, at the end of the day, you got to, you got to, you know, kind of take the high road and, and kind of respect the game for what it is, because, you know, if you start doing that, then, then, you know, it's, it sets a, you know, bad precedent going forward on, um, you know, for your entire makeup of your team and, and just the kind of characters that you have in that locker room. So I thought the Rangers did very well and, you know, I, I'm very happy with their response and I don't think there's anybody out there that would criticize their response. You know, I, I thought they did exactly what they had to do. I think Washington respected uh, what the Rangers had to do and they knew it was coming. And, you know, I, I thought both sides kind of handled that game uh, as best as they could. So, you know, looking at this situation now, I have to lead with this question because this, I think, will propel us into the next realm of what we need to talk about now with management. Um, do you believe that this this incident with Tom Wilson was the reason, or do you think this with the you know Tom Wilson was a tipping point for Dolan? Yeah, I think it was an accelerant and a tipping point. Uh... I do think that because, you know, we tend to forget, I think everything is, whether it's the the locker room stuff that was going on with D'Angelo early in the season and, oh, yeah, I mean, just like everything and even the slow stars, I just think that there was an element of all of it. I do think, and I do, like I said, I don't, I think this was just a straw that kind of broke the camel's back because there was a lot of talk of saying like, oh, well, it had to be done now because they're going on the road and. I don't know if I buy that necessarily. I just think he was, it was just like, well, that's what I was thinking. That's how I would have done it. But I'm just saying in trying to say why it happened. I mean, that's the only thing I can come to. I just think he, his uh, Dolan, I guess, feels like he was biting his tongue when the Rangers looked absolutely limp against the Islanders. And then this happens and he's like, come on. Like, cause even now it puts on and the coach isn't really doing anything. Cause I mean, Quinn looks kind of checked out. no, I mean, these last couple of games, I mean, I, mean, I know, I don't know if there's much he can do. You look at, look at the roster he has to ice. So it's not like you're going to win games, but it's just a weird thing. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're really, the range is really paying, playing for pride. Maybe a few guys, you know, but I mean, I don't really, it, goes it was weird. I didn't really even stuff. see much frustration. No, yeah, well, I, no, I don't want to interrupt you, but it kind of goes back to the Islanders effort. Like you get blank twice in a row, you know, you played the Islanders twice before that and you stole three out of four points. And then, you know, you face off again and must win games. And and Dolan, I think, had some comments toward toward Larry Brooks when they spoke, basically saying that he thought that there are certain points in the New York Rangers season that they should have won or put forth a better effort and they failed to even if they lost. Yeah. Yeah. Match any intensity that, you know, that they should have had. And, you know, I don't know if those are actually Dolan's words or do you do you think this is. Dolan's words and thoughts and feelings towards the New York Rangers, or do you think this is Sather saying this is what you need to say because this is how I felt was what was I, going on? I think it's I think it's both. I think they both feel that way because again, I think we've everyone has failed to even as you know Sather's like all right, like I'm just gonna be I'm gonna kind of take a step back and just be advisor. I I do think he's definitely been a little bit more hands on than we had thought in terms of pulling the strings. But I mean, 
you know, obviously I was shocked and angry at first and I'm thinking of all this, but I then I kind of you go rewind the tape, at least on this podcast. And you and I have all been talking about this. Why is it that like in these moments that where the Rangers do need to step up? It's one thing to step up and and like put a forth a good effort against the Buffalo Sabres. You know what I mean? But when it's like this is your season and it's it's, it's not even it's not that they, they lost. It's that they were literally just looked defe- like defeated before it even began. And we've talked so much about losing culture <laughs> in this podcast and how the Rangers have done their best to avoid it. I mean, I can't say I kind of disagree with that, that assessment that during these games, like it kind of feels like you don't. Yeah. It, it, things like this can't start becoming the norm or else I think this organization is dead in the water. You know, much like Buffalo until at least maybe, you know, the last few games where they've actually looked like they're trying to get out of it. But they do that every year, you know, when they're out of it and or or Arizona. And if, like I said, I I was shocked and it's not how I would have done it. But at the same time, it's like. The more I think about it, I'm like, I can't really say I disagree. I maybe disagree with how it was handled or how it was done or letting both JD and, and Gorton go if there was a if there was a different you know difference or not maybe just putting moving Drury into that slot and having have heavier mandates and maybe moving you know Davids into an advisor role as well so he could stay on but it seems very drastic but at the same time it's like I can't say I kind of disagree and I mean I think I disagree with uh, Dolan's timetable for how they should be a playoff team or competitive or whatever it is, even though during the he was asked about that by Brooks and apparently we don't know if he's parroting, you know, but he's just saying it wasn't about winning so much as it was about just looking, you know, just not having the response necessary. And I agree with that. So, yeah, but uh, I I think, like you said, I think it's I feel that it was this was just the straw that kind of broke the camel's back. So maybe he did plan on doing the offseason and he's like, I can't let this go on and I can't let the season end like this, you know, or it's going to have long term effects on this organization. And, you know, it's it's kind of impossible to prove something like that. But I don't know. I don't like it, but he signs the paycheck. So I, he had the power to pull the trigger. And I guess he did. Yeah. And, you know, I'm very curious to see if there were inklings, if there were meetings held prior to you know, this shit storm and, you know, looking at, you know, the kind of the point of view of JD and Gorton, you know, I, I would, I would, you know, ask the question, like, what did we do wrong? Like, what did you want? What were your expectations? We finished fifth, you know, we will projected to finish fifth in a, I, I still think they are right. I don't know if what the flyers, flyers one last. Yeah, they'll, they'll, no, they'll, they'll probably, I think they'll end fifth. Yeah. Okay. So you, you land fifth in the toughest division in hockey if this was a normal season, you're probably making the playoffs as a bottom four seed. Um, and, you know, you've you done it with a roster that was one of the youngest in the NHL. At some points, the youngest roster in the NHL. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of the weirdness of the season played into uh, Dolan's decision. You know, there are a lot of weird stuff that happened over the last two years. Um, looking at the, you know, the, from the car accident to the Tony D'Angelo to the uh, Keandre Miller incident online, uh, just like a lot of weird stuff 
that I feel like other franchises don't or didn't deal with over the last two years kind of happened to the New York Rangers. And I don't know if it was just like uh, Dolan was just fed up with everything and how it's being handled. And, you know, I'm sure he's a win now type of person, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I want to know, like, if there were inklings of this being had all season long or if this was something where he was just like watching that Washington game and said, you know, you know, throwing his remote and saying heads are rolling, heads are rolling. And, you know, and with the, the complaints that Dolan had and listen, you can say you don't like the makeup of this team. They needed to be stronger. They didn't, you know, they didn't add players to protect their young stars. All right. Fair. I don't know if that causes a firing a few games before the season ends. But, you know, another thing that Dolan said was that, you know, they weren't ready to play. So I, I don't know how that's not on the coach. Like a lot of the complaints that he had had a lot to do with with the coaching staff. And I don't know if it's, you know, I think it was more. I think it was more to get Drury in the more I think about it. That's I mean, that, that's as the only way I can rationalize everything in my head. Yeah, and I think one way to, to think about this is that as sudden as it was, we, as Rangers fans, knew that Drury would be in this seat someday. I don't think we thought it would be now. <laughs> but, no, no, no. You know, when he turned, listen, he, he how many, I think twice, two teams have requested Pittsburgh, he yeah. interview for their GM slots. Pittsburgh was Buffalo right before Kevin Adams yeah. and Pittsburgh, right? And Pittsburgh you know, was pretty much ready and to give him both, the job. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and that just things. goes to show... Yeah. Yeah, how well he's thought of. Uh, and, you know, he's done the work. I think that's a, a lot of, I think, because that's the biggest thing is that as, uh, even though this whole thing has me a little shook and not having JD's, you know, calming, you know, happy presence over this organization gives me, yeah, it makes me, gives me pause. Or even just seeing how Gorton has conducted this rebuild, you can say he got lucky, but, you know, you can't you have to put yourself out there. It's like, you have to put yourself in a position to be lucky. And he certainly, certainly has done that big picture. You can't really argue with the big picture right. influence he's had on this organization to set the foundation. You know, not everything's been perfect, but I don't know any GM who has like a hundred percent perfect record. Um, but, but at the same time, it was clear, like Drury has done the work. He has been, he's worked in almost every aspect of this organization. You know, he's done uh, player development. He's flown overseas to watch our prospects and watch the U18 worlds and the world juniors and the world championships and the crafts off when he was in the KHL. And, you know, he has, he's run the heart for Wolfpack and has dealt with the ECHL and seemed helped to see that turn that Hartford around. And they've definitely been a much, better organization since he uh was general manager there you know and it's just he's done the work and i think other teams see that and he's got the pedigree he's a winner you know i mean is that stuff kind of overblown sometimes maybe but at the same time it it's like it definitely serves him and i think it definitely gives him a singular focus uh where he's not going to be a shrinking violet now that he's kind of gets thrust into this role he says he's ready and he and he like he's gonna do what it takes to get get this organization a Stanley Cup. So yeah, it's kind of I he definitely like I said, he definitely has the credentials. So it's just shocking it happened so quickly. Um and maybe that's one of the reasons that's another reason they were ready they were so comfortable doing this. I think if he wasn't there, maybe they don't do this. But 
it was going to be he was getting the keys sooner rather than later. I just I didn't think it would be this soon. What's up, everybody? This is Taylor and Brendan from Straight Up Sabres of the Hockey Podcast Network. Things are not going very well in Saberland uh, this season or really for the past 10 years or so. However, we here at Straight Up Sabres are so excited to keep bringing you guys the latest Sabres news with everything ranging from interviews with some of your favorite Twitter follows all the way up to former players and everything in between. We have got you covered with your weekly coverage of the Buffalo Sabres. That's right. We got a lot coming up uh, through the rest of the season and into the offseason. Who's going to coach the team next year? Uh, is Kevin Adams going to have a new boss? Will he be a president of hockey operations? Will there be an assistant GM? Are they going to fill out their scouting staff? How many times will I cry next to Maybe zero. I'm dead inside. Will Jack Eichel be here? Sam Reinhardt going to get extended? You know, all this and more on Straight Up Sabres. Exciting stuff. So make sure you're checking us out wherever you're listening to podcasts and following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. I'm with you. I, I mean, I knew Drury was a big deal in our organization. I knew he was putting in, you know, the years of experience to land himself a job. I honestly didn't think with the way things were going with the New York Rangers, I, you know, I, I was more, I wasn't thinking that, you know, Gorton would be gone and certainly not JD, you know, JD signed on as president, you know, after the the letter was written to the the fan base, basically saying we're acknowledging that we're in a rebuild. JD comes on, and you know I, I, the only reason why I can rationalize JD's firing, or it makes sense in my head, is because Boomer Esiason on WFAN is telling me that you know Sather and JD really never saw eye to eye. So when you have two of them leaving. Um, it, that's more of a, you know, Gorton is gone because we want Drury to fill in that spot. And, you know, JD is part of that regime. So I'm going to fire him. And I also kind of don't like him on the side. So I don't know, again, if that's true, there's so many different scenarios yeah. and like, <laughs> like versions that are out there, like storylines that are out there. And I don't know which ones are true, which ones are false. I mean, Boomer Science and is, is kind of very reliable in terms of information, whether or not that played a factor yeah. in JD's firing. I don't know, but it kind of makes sense when you start putting pieces together, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'd go as far to say that he disliked JD. I think he disliked that there was a difference in philosophy and how this has to go. And I mean, listen, JD's track record for rebuilding organizations and getting them back to prominence is pretty good. You know, between everything he did in St. Louis to set them up to win their first cup uh, and also Columbus, which had been, you know, uh, you know, until after Rick Nash left and he finally came in, had been a also a, a unstable organization like and then they've had some success finally for the last couple, you know, the last five to ten years. So. Yeah, and that's a big, and he's the biggest reason for that. So I don't know if it's necessarily that. I just think Dolan is a guy, as we've seen with the Knicks, does not have the. I think he just thinks that things can change on a whim, and I don't think he has the patience to. I think the rebuild was a hard enough sell for him, but I think you know it took say there being like you know, we have no, we don't have any of these pieces. These other teams have, and the one piece we have, Henrik Lundqvist, is getting older. So I think that was the final sell for them for him but at the same time i just think 
Yeah. I have a couple questions before you, and I'm nervous that you're going to answer the question before I ask it. So I want to ask. I'll wait. I'll I'll sit on my hands. I'll sit on my sit on my hands until you're done. So the first question is, and you just touched on it. You know, the Rangers don't have any of these big pieces. Now we know how the New York Rangers have been in the past in terms of trying to bring in that big name, uh, you know, that big ticket uh, player around the league. Do you think the Rangers not making a move for a Jack Eichel or a Barkov during the middle of the season kind of pissed off Dolan? Um, you know, especially when, you know, JD and Gorton might have been like, this is not part of the process. Like, you know, we're going to pass this year. Let's not be buyers right now. Let's figure out what we have. Do you think that played a factor into this decision? I think, well, I we heard from Elliot Friedman that the Rangers made a pitch for Eichel in the summer. And Buffalo didn't bite. And then obviously he got kind of Eichel got was hurt mid year. So I don't know if it's necessarily that I, I do think in talking, there's been conversations. What's like, what's our plan next guys? What are we doing? Like, who are we honing in on? And I think if I think, like I said, philosophically, I think Gorton and JD are like, calm, like, we'll slow your roll. We're seeing what we have in Kraftsoff and Kako and Heedle and Lafreniere. And we're going to take our, t- I think it's just the saying, we've got to see how things shake out. And I think that's been their answer for everything, even with Quinn. And I, I you know, James, they just missed. And I have a question for you. And then okay. we'll get back to your second question. But yeah. If let's say this today is the last, as we're recording this on Saturday, the Rangers played their last game of the season. Uh, outside of the Gong Show that was in Washington, I've had no interest in watching this team right now, just for what they're icing and how they look on the ice. I just want the season to be over because we got to take that next step forward. But if let's say he doesn't fire, uh, he doesn't fire them. Do you think if if JD and Gordon were still here, do you think Quinn is the coach when the season starts next year? I I don't know. This is another one where I go into two different realms of thought. And the first one being yeah. the, the BU connection. How strong is that? Uh, the relationship yeah. between, between uh, Drury. Was Drury a reason why Quinn got hired here? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I really honestly don't know how much of a role Drury played. Apparently, maybe he was a bigger part than we thought. I mean, I gave a lot of credit to Gorton over the last two years, and I think JD was kind of, um, you know, I heard someone, you know, kind of put it as JD was the, he was like the comfort and the, uh, the warm blanket. Yeah, he was like the warm blanket upon everything that Gorton was doing. Like he was, Gorton would do something, and JD, you know, would throw in his two cents would and explain it to the fan and base. Explain it to the fan base exactly, and it was like comforting, you know. And yeah. that was kind of the role of that tandem. I don't know how much, how, I don't know now, I don't know how much of a, a relationship Drury and Quinn have with that BU connection. In, in my thought process, just based off of the comments that Drury made about how he doesn't want to talk about another man's job on, on the air and, and not address it privately first, makes me believe that Quinn won't be coaching the New York Rangers next year. Yeah, I, I kind of get that sense, too. And uh, like I said, I don't know if Quinn, if Gorton and maybe Quinn's still here. Maybe he's not. We don't really know. I, and I, again, we don't with Drury. We don't know, because like you said, he was probably a big proponent for getting him in that spot. But at the same time, 
like without explicitly saying it, we know what the mandate is from is that it's time to compete. And I think the idea was always that Quinn was the training wheels and then you take them off and you, you go get the big boy coach. And especially I don't think they have an appetite to like see if he can, uh, you know, if he can do it because it's if the especially if he if Dolan feels they they underachieved this year, whether that's correct or not, if it's his feelings the roster is going to be pretty much the same barring, you know, obviously they'll, they'll maybe get, try to get Eichel or Barkov or, or just Ryan Reeves or whatever. But at the same time, if you feel like they underachieved, I don't know. And obviously you're, you're seeing kind of like semi, like, like joke, half joking, but also kind of half serious memes about like John Tortorella and Mike Babcock being the next coach of the Rangers. Uh, I don't think that that's that crazy. I really don't. I don't think so either. It scares me a little bit because I don't Especially think either of those guys ultimately. Because he's got a relationship yeah, I don't know. with that organization. He, you can say he did exactly what he wanted to do with this with the team. They played the system that he, you know, to a T. I thought, and then they were, you know, pretty successful with you know Tortorella's run. I, I didn't think it was a a system that could essentially last until a Stanley Cup final and w- winning the Stanley Cup. But, I mean, he, he's got a Stanley Cup in his back pocket. Uh, what he's done with Columbus and that team, certainly I felt like the, the, that roster overachieved constantly year after year. Um, you know, I, he's ran his course with Columbus now, and, and he's available. And I don't know. I, it's a name that Dolan certainly knows. So I don't know. It, it's just not. It's I. I. I wouldn't do it personally, but I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't. Yeah, you know, same thing with Mike Babcock, because like everyone kind of feels it's it'll be a whole not if when, even though whether or not that's correct, and maybe he's going to be like, oh, you know, I uh, I thought a lot about how my uh, stint in Toronto went, and uh, you know, I I think uh, in this day we have to we have to adapt, and you know, I'm always learning, and I've learned, and I'm ready to put, you know, that like you'll get one of those spiels, but um, <laughs> that's, oh, that was actually <laughs> really good. That's a ripoff of it. That's Greg Greg Wyshynski's uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> impression of Mike Mike Babcock, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway i mean it, as as fun as it would be to watch tortorella and brooks go, get back into spar again constantly yeah i mean gerard galan is still out there unless he's like they, he's gonna secretly coach the seattle you know uh i have always wondered if lafreniere is seen as the future of this team or the future captain i mean you already have uh Jacques Martin, and now you have Gerard Gallant. You have a French Canadian coach and a French Canadian defensive coordinator. Who knows? Maybe that could be a good marriage. But um, yeah, I just don't know, man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what what kind of uh, fruit falls from the tree during or shakes loose during uh, the exit meetings. If we can get any like insider inklings about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I just again, I just think this all comes back to there's just this seems to have been a philosophical difference in how this should be handled. And unfortunately, I think it's one of those things where the more I think about it, I think it's just that the with trying to you look at how many organizations have kind of waxed and waned in the dreaded middle or tried to get over the hump of being like a purgatory of being in the bottom and they can't even despite they pick first overall here and there. Or then how there's just organizations that no matter what the Boston Bruins have have been in the top for 
you know, or have been towards the top of the league for the last 15 years, you know, and it's just funny. It's just, I, I just think it's one of those things where the, there, there's almost like, I guess Dolan felt there was more long-term harm would be done, even though you were kind of doing what's necessary, you know, getting young players and who knows, maybe even the struggles of Lafreniere Kaka the last two years is like, I did, we, he's like, I've allowed you to do what you said. And these kids coming in and they're like, it's such a slow build and they're just, none of them are popping off the, and is that, you know, is that by the mandate of what's going on from, from Gorton down to Quinn, you know, it's like, would another coach would go, would, if Gorton had put another coach there when it was clear some of the kids were struggling and like they weren't struggling, does that change how this team looks or does that, you know, and I, again, I, I don't know if these, these are necessarily fair things in terms of the timeline or for expectations, but at the same time, it's like, I think Ranger fans have been very frustrated. The one thing that's frustrated the most the last two seasons is that there are things that have been fixable and they clearly just haven't even, you know, given them attention. Why the Leah Sanderson situation shaked out the way it did, why crafts off struggled and ran, why it seems like there's reports that the locker room isn't all that close and it's just kind of clicky, why behind closed doors they couldn't police themselves and they had the D'Angelo situation and like how, why Quinn is so hands off. I just think it was just, I think it was, I heard Boomer say like it was just too much for him to abide at a certain point. And again, you know, we're not privy to everything. And when you put it like that, it's like, it kind of makes sense a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, my second question to you is also, (laughs) sorry, it was also Quinn related. And do you think that the experience that Chris Drury had when he was behind the bench during the COVID, uh, breakout with, uh, David Quinn, do you think that played a factor into all of this? Like him looking at the makeup well, of this team, being around them on the bench and on the ice and kind of just being around the locker room kind of said, I don't really like the direction this is going in. And then I, I, I think Drury was very comfortable talking to Sather and saying, listen, I want this job. I'm telling you, there's still room for improvement. Like we're heading down a really long road that might not work out. Like these are the changes that need to happen. Like I was down there. I don't know. Maybe if asked, I know I don't think he would he would like sewer uh, Gorton behind and and JD behind their back. I think if he was asked, he might have given his honest opinion. Uh, I mean, let's face it. We have we were it was almost becoming a meme. It's like how the Rangers playing in front of uh, Knobloch versus the Rangers playing in front of Quinn, you know, with the the big dog, the muscle dog and the skinny dog or whatever, the tiny (laughs) one. And it it just seemed like there was there's been repeated things about the young players have talked about not knowing why they're benched and afraid to do things to get benched. Kako had a an exit interview last over the summer about he never knew, like he was st- he would stop trying to do things because he 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 knew it would get him benched. And it's like Quinn, we've talked about his arbitrary ice time and decision making all for for the, since he's been here and. If that has your players playing second guessing themselves on the ice, you know, it's like I don't, you know, it's a, you'd almost rather them give them strictly third line ice time, but they can do whatever the, the f they want when they're out there, you know, right. instead of saying like if you do these things that make me comfortable, then I'll put you on the top line. But at the same time, they're trying to adopt their games to the NHL, and it might take a while for them to figure it out. But once it clicks, they are, they then it's like then they're don, they can become dominant players, but. 
is the longer this kind of this feeling there, you know, there's always this thing is that you have to make the direct play and the simple play. And I understand that the Rangers as an organization, at least with all the skill players they have are guilty of sometimes they try to do the pretty play too much. But at the same time, if guys are trying to like figure out how to gain, you know, gain the zone by themselves or not use their teammates just because they know, especially if you're, if you're a young forward and it's like we, the, the past few games, you've seen what happened when they've tried to put, uh, Kako and Lafreniere with Di Giuseppe and and Blackwell plays die on their stick because they're not good. They're not top six players. They're yeah, they're no, fourth liners, you know. And it's like so you you can you really blame them for maybe getting a puck poke you know p- picked off at the line because they're trying to do too much themselves because they can't rely on their. He's like I can feather a pass, but it's going to take them like you know a second or two longer than it has to for them to crowd the puck. And then they're already closed off on the boards and then squirts out the other way and they just break out and it's all for nothing. So it's like, yeah, it's just very frustrating, at least in that regard. And I can understand if there's just a, yet another way from the top down view, it's like the longer this goes on, the more this hurts us. And we're not turning our, you know, I don't know if they, they want another Manny Malhotra situation where you bring a guy in early and it just doesn't pan out or, you know, because he's just not developed the right way. You just don't know. So, um, yeah, I don't think Drury necessarily would like Sewer Quinn or JD by going behind their back. But at the same time, I think if he was asked point blank and he's like, well, you know, I, I get the sense from talking to the players, they feel like this. And this is purely speculation, our point. And though no one will ever come out and say it, you know, it hasn't there's been very few instances in the in the National Hockey League where it's like, even when we knew that the time, the runway had run out on Tortorella and that Lundqvist finally had to go and say, it's time, like, you got to get rid of this guy. It like never really got out. It was always just kind of like a Larry Brooks intimating it. And it's not like, and even they said, you know, he's a good coach. You never want to get coach fire and this and that, you know, or Jack Eichel, who's had to have a few coaches removed, you know, it's like, it never really comes out where it's like the coaches, like after, even after the fact, the players are like, yeah, it'd run its course. It's just always like, you know, he's a good coach and it's a shame. And, you know, we understand the results business and now it falls on us. You know, you, we got to take the feeling that we got someone fired, you know, just the, the whole PR thing. Thank you for listening to part one of our breakdown of the most chaotic week of New York Rangers hockey. Tune in Thursday morning for part two as Andy and I dive deeper into what this all means for the New York Rangers going forward. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.